0: Don't let down You gotta wake up, don't let down
1: Welcome to another episode of DJ Coffee Talk. Today we are sharing a cup of coffee, uh, virtually because it's through Zoom, but also kind of physically because we're drinking it, with Cole Mercer. He's a super duper interesting dude, really intelligent. He knows a lot about movement and exercise and body movements. He's a really knowledgeable guy and I really think this episode is going to provide a lot of value for all of you. He is currently getting his master's in exercise physiology, and he's also NASM-CPT and CF-L1 certified, and I have no idea what that means, but it seems really important, and he is very knowledgeable when it comes to this stuff, so he is well-deserved, for sure. He's also a strength and conditioning instructor, and this guy knows a lot about movement and how to make your body feel right, but he's also probably one of the most compassionate, kind people I think I've ever talked to. And he really just wants to help people, and it's awesome to be around someone who's like that. I really think this episode is going to provide some value to all of you. Please enjoy, um, or don't enjoy, but uh, hope you enjoy it. And uh, enough of me talking, let's get to this episode. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome to DJ You're Coffee talking. Talk. Let's, let's get buzz, 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 buzz. Buzz.
1: Well, first off, I'd like to hear, how's this podcast going for you? How did that yeah, start? Sure. Who's your co-host? Um, your guys' background, stuff like that.
2: Yeah. So, how how um,
1: brought you into this type of, of field specifically, because I know you, you've you kind of tasted a couple sciences, you know, or at least in, in chemistry, you bounced around a little bit, and then now you're kind of landing more in the physio-nutrition movement area, which yeah. interested you a lot. At least yeah. I've known you, but you were kind of bouncing around with different things, and then. You were even considering trying to make, which you might still be doing, but making prosthetics that are a bit more functional, uh, based off of like Full Metal Alchemist. At least that's what my brother. Yeah. Called him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a dope ass tattoo. Too. Yeah. He's got a very cool tattoo.
3: Yeah, uh, it's just one of them, but it's it's kind of I don't know if you've ever seen Full Metal Alchemist, but it's kind of inspired by Auto Mail from that um, from that anime. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, man. So a little bit of my background. Um, I graduated with a degree in chemistry from NAU, uh, and then I worked in chemistry for a few years in, uh, I I taught for a couple of years at NAU, my my, uh, alma mater, and then ended up going to uh, San Diego, and I did nanochemistry for a few years, and we were doing diagnostic assays and all sorts of stuff, so it gave me like a really solid taste of what private industry um, science looks like, and I really enjoyed it, it was cool, like it allowed me to be super creative um, and inventive and innovative, uh, all in the same job, which was um, definitely cool. But as uh, sort of my transition into fitness kind of happened just because like that's all I think about all the time, all, all day. <laughs> so yeah. it was sort of natural for me to just kind of like move towards the area of fitness science and, and, uh, and movement and nutrition and things like that. And um, I got up here to Washington State University. I followed my wife up here. She's getting her, uh, her PhD in infectious disease. So like a super relevant yeah. Nowadays. Wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, did she yeah, so did she, she
1: was, pivot because I remember she was doing. She was working at the zoo for a while, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. So she was working at the San Diego Zoo, and she got admitted to the uh, to the program, and she's in her coming on her third year now in her PhD program. So her research is ramp, ramping up, and um, yeah, she's actually at work right now. She's uh, she's camera. yeah. So
1: yeah, um, a science power couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: And then, uh, yeah, so after that, I just got up here and um, I started getting more coaching certifications. I started coaching CrossFit. I started uh, um, getting involved with the lab that I'm going to be working in here pretty soon, which is exercise physiology. And, um, yeah, just kind of snowballed into that. I just kind of like I, I saw something I wanted to do and I just kind of attacked the opportunities that I found. Um, and then just my buddy, Davin, who, uh, Jack, you may have met Davin before. He We had met at MMA Club a few huh. years ago. Davin Lau, he's a registered dietitian out, out of, uh, well, he got his degree at South Carolina, but he's in Utah now, but he's, a uh, he's absolutely incredible source of knowledge for, um, performance nutrition and all sorts of stuff. And he ended up getting into that book, intuitive eating and it sort of revolutionized the way he thought about stuff. And he started reaching out to me, um, or I don't remember how our conversation started, but it was just kind of like, um, Hey, if you're interested in talking about this stuff, I'd love to chat with you about it. And, um, you know, seven, six seven months later, after I had started learning about the framework, we decided just to just ha- do, you know, just have a casual conversation about it, start teaching people about the, um, about the principles. And it just kind of turned into what I guess would be a podcast. So
1: is that your key focus for this podcast too, or is it all branches of fitness and movement? Or do you guys sort of just specializing right now and then attempt and then kind of build up from there? Or is it mostly intuitive beating is the main focus? I guess it wasn't
3: first. yeah so we started with the intuitive eating piece and uh just to kind of open it up and to have something to to discuss for a while and all we did was really set up the 10 principles so now we can dive deeper into each individual principle we can talk more about movement things like that so i mean my um the brand biometal fitness is specifically a fitness brand so like really any area of fitness um we're going to be attacking and discussing so um yeah, and breaking down societal barriers for fitness and exercise and movement and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, just interested in talking about everything. So,
1: Kind of a quirky side thing, but is it's related, though. Is movement and, like, digestion, is that pretty – is there, like, a lot of correlations between that? Like, you need to move in certain ways in order to actually absorb nutrition in your body, if that's something you have knowledge on? Because so I've always wondered – because if you're really stagnant, then the food just sits in your belly, you know, you're not really – getting it to soak through your body but I wonder if like say like you're doing a lot of yoga movements and you're doing a lot of certain types of breathing and, and stuff like that if it makes the nutrition kind of just better seep into your body and you make more more out of it you know
3: yeah I would say um I can't talk specifically to the effect of um of movement on digestion but what I can say is that um when you do start moving you're increasing blood flow and you're delivering nutrients to areas of your body that you might not necessarily be getting a ton of if you are sedentary so think of like like an injury for example if somebody uh if somebody gets a, an injury on an extremity like their hand um if you're just sedentary all day your hand's getting a little bit of blood flow but if you are moving and you're getting activity your heart's pumping regardless of what you're doing um, if you just get up and go for a walk, that's sending nutrients and that's sending white blood cells and um, and, and oxygen and everything to your to the injured area at a quicker rate. So um, it's, it's actually there's actually they've shown that exercise can slightly improve the process of recovery. Um, both for pain-killing reasons, because you're actually, uh, you're sending endorphins to the areas, but also because you're you're increasing nutrient content and and all of that stuff, especially in areas like, um, like joints. Uh, so like tendons, ligaments, those don't get a lot of blood flow. Those types of tissues don't get um, much blood flow at all. There's no blood vessels that go directly into them, uh, which is one reason why they're so strong. But as a result, they don't get any nutrients. So if you injure a tendon, that's why it's like a, eight-week recovery process just for one tendon and you know always limit activity so um so yeah i mean in that way movement can improve nutrient availability in in certain areas so yeah so that's really interesting actually a couple months ago i broke my elbow and i was told by the
4: doctors to kind of like not move it don't do anything with it for about like two to three months would you kind of recommend like opposite that to get it like get it moving and
3: um try and exercise with it? So I, will never recommend the opposite of what a doctor is telling you, but I can say that by, by moving your body in other ways, like, I don't know if you like to hike or something like that, by hiking, you might actually help, uh, help heal your elbow a little bit faster. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, if you're adding stress to it, it really also depends on the injury itself. Like what'd you end up doing? It was in
4: jujitsu and the, um, the inside, um, part of the joint, like fractured off, okay. but off, but didn't like completely disattach gotcha um yeah and I, I kind of did I, I'm too antsy to, so, so I did still do some things and I, I thought it was helping me out but I don't know that's that's interesting that you say that though cool.
3: yeah I mean it's um one thing I do recommend for sure is is uh hot therapy um there's, there's this massive argument in in fitness and nutrition and all of that about hot and ice and and I think people are starting to understand that heat increases blood flow ice restricts blood flow um so the whole like rice therapy thing that you may have been prescribed by your doctor, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest, compression, and elevation can help, but ice actually is a detriment to your healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, at yes. least at first. It can help with pain killing and it has a purpose. I, ice is very good for um, for v- very specific purposes. But when when you're trying to talk about increasing blood flow and helping the area heal better, you wanna, you wanna add heat. But as far as moving goes, moving through your elbow, I mean, if, if you've been a couple of months out, you can probably start doing some basic you know, physical therapy stuff. Um, there's a lot of resistance training that you can do very light with, uh, um, with your arm to kind of strengthen the area again and maybe get it working to where you can start doing jits again.
1: Does heat increase inflammation after a certain point because it's increasing blood flow?
3: Yes, both directly and indirectly. Um, so it, So in the case of an injury specifically, the area is already inflamed. So you're going to be having, by, by adding heat, you're sending more fluid to the area. So heat will increase inflammation. So that's why um, a lot of doctors kind of shy away from that because too much inflammation is a bad thing, for sure, no doubt. But, um, but by trying to limit inflammation specifically to reduce pain, that can um, slow down the healing process. So it's kind of this balance. And, uh, and what I usually will say is if you have an injury, alternate between hot and ice therapy, because then you get both, both effects. You can, you know, you can get the pain killing effect and then you reflood the area with nutrients. And it kind of, um, kind of creates this exchange pattern of hot and ice, hot and ice, hot and ice. Um, And then it kind of, it's, it's like, think of it like a pump. You're pumping stuff in and then pulling stuff out, pumping stuff in, pulling stuff out. So. Is
1: there any, uh, do you think there's any direct like risks to, if you're jumping straight into Wim Hofen, like right off the bat? And they are just like, I'm going to go full-blown into that. And I know I just opened up a whole other can of worms. but I man,
3: tend- Wim Hof is a huge can of worms. but uh,
1: I, I tend to do that a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> but That's how that guy- it's been when we talk. But It's like, yeah, what do you think it's about aliens, man? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> they might be real. <laughs> yeah.
3: we'll, we'll talk about aliens later for sure. But, uh, yeah. Wim Hof, dude, that guy's, that guy's uh, I don't know. I would like to call him a prophet, but the guy's not a prophet. He's just a dude. And he'll tell you himself. But, um, yeah. So, I would say, like the way that Wim Hof prevent, presents his method, and for any of your viewers who don't know what Wim Hof method is, if you haven't, I don't know if you've talked about it before, but the Wim Hof method is essentially this idea that um, using uh, using cold exposure as a way to sort of uh, harden and toughen our senses against um, against environmental, emotional stress, all to, all sorts of stresses. Um, by, by purposefully exposing ourselves to cold, we kind of get, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Um, and then he also has this very specific breathing method, which is sort of this, uh, this hyperventilation style. And, uh, and, and what this guy's been able to do is incredible. He's, he's able to actively raise his his temperature through meditation, or his body temperature through meditation. Um, uh, he, he hiked the top of Mount Everest in his freaking shorts, and, like, and he didn't, die. How the fuck and he didn't die. He didn't even have a single, he didn't have any single, like a single injury. So the, the guy's capable of controlling autonomic systems that we didn't think were, we were capable of controlling directly or indirectly.
2: Hmm.
3: Um, so I would say that someone diving into the Wim Hof method, uh, definitely listen to Wim Hof specifically. Don't just say, okay, I'm going to go jump into some cold water and then see how it yeah. goes. Because he eases you into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Wim Hof is crazy. He's yeah. <laughs> like the good crazy. He's uh, um, a yeah.
1: yeah, he's got a,
3: He's got a really tragic backstory, man. Have you ever he looked?
1: At it? His wife and his kids died, right? Or was it just yeah. his wife?
3: I th- Yeah, I think he lost his whole, oh, his gosh, entire. Oh, life.
1: I didn't mean it like that, though. It's like, oh, it was his wife. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing with podcasting; it teaches to be mindful of how you word things, for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh,
4: definitely.
1: You have to make sure you don't say something too offensive
4: i uh, did not know about this guy that's incredible
3: yeah look him up man there's actually really, you love him dude there's there's an app on your phone you can just download it's free and he teaches you there's like videos he's got like three minute videos that you can follow along with it's pretty sweet i've done it Uh, um the the breathing method i'll tell you is a little bit uncomfortable at first because uh because you're specifically hyperventilating so like um what you what you do is you you like breathe in super super deep and then you, and you just let your breath uh, naturally settle. And then, so you don't forcefully exhale, you just exhale what, um, what naturally comes out, and then you instantaneously start breathing again. So you're like, um, I don't wanna get into the physiology of it, but basically like, if here, is ha- if here is your lungs are empty, and here is your lungs, just like when you're normally breathing, you're just alternating between full and then that normal state. And it, um, and it floods your body with oxygen, in a way that starts to make you like your fingers tingly and uh yeah it's it's really uncomfortable at first and some people experience like sort of hallucination type visions yeah
1: well that. it kind of sounds like a holotropic uh, breathing have you ever heard of that holotropic breathing no what's that about I, and if anyone listening to this is corrects me that i'm wrong i might be wrong so i'm not an expert in this but i might be using the wrong term as well but it's the thing where you uh you can use your breathing to have like hallucinations essentially but it's like you really have to be coached on how to do it or it can be very bad because like you need to get kind of into it much like Wim Hof but yeah. you can do holotropic breathing and then you start having hallucinations kind of when you start getting like feelings of elation and stuff like that but it's kind of a—I think it the foundations of it were found, um, originated in like eastern culture and then it's starting to come out west yeah I've kind of been the movement lately, lately a lot of these old esoteric teachings in the East and all these old practices and traditions started moving out West, but over like the past, probably two centuries, but it's pretty cool. It's really neat. Like you ought to check it out. Um, But yeah, it's, it's nutty, but that's kind of ties into my next question is when you're doing Wim Hof and you're doing that type of breathing, do you know if it causes any psychological feelings of like elation, like, like almost like a manic state to an extent, hypomanic and, I just, for pondering reasons, is that a reason to maybe be cautious in the beginning and really do your research because you might want want to jump right into it if you're psychologically predisposed to mania or something like that, you know?
3: Yeah. Like I wouldn't that. say that it replicates mania. Um, mania is a very specific set of brain chemistry that uh, that requires um, that requires management. But the the idea of Wim Hof method, uh, it might be able to sort of settle those symptoms. Um, of mania, it might relax mania, but um, as far as the specific psychological effect of mania, I, I wouldn't want to say like, dive into this because you have mania or don't dive into it because of mania. Um, I, w- I mean, that's definitely something to defer to, uh, to maybe a psychologist or a doc about like, hey, what, what would the effect of this be? Um, the issue with that, at the same time, um, kind of back to your point about like stuff coming over from Eastern culture to Western culture, Uh, I think it's actually, um, the way that that worked is actually perfect, because um, we had this Eastern culture that's, you know, rooted in tradition, science or not, and then we come over here to the West, and then we finally built ourselves up, we have very strong science base over here, Um, you know, maybe all all things considered besides coronavirus, we have a pretty strong science base over here, and we have... Uh, and then now some of that stuff, yeah,
2: exactly, yeah. Culture. So all things permitted. But yeah.
3: Yeah. So all, that Eastern culture is now coming over here. So as a result, the Eastern culture gets judged really, really hard. It gets judged really, uh, really critically, which I think is a good thing, because then we can start to sift out the stuff that was like, okay, yeah, that's probably placebo. Um, and in that case, I would say that any doctor looking at Wim Hof method, they could look and see the incredible things he's done with it, but they might be skeptical, skeptical about prescribing something like that. Um, so yeah, I definitely like going into any type of meditation, breathing, it's more intense than people really believe it to be. There's, um, there's this massive, like positive movement in, in, in meditating. And I think that's great across, you know, socially, but people don't realize that like, um, meditation is a way to start a, to sort of start addressing some of these internal, internal emotional turmoil that we have. And if, if we meditate too much when we're not really prepared or we really don't understand the feelings that we're having, um, it can cause more turmoil. And there have been cases where people, they start meditating and they just, they can't because it's too stressful for them, which is like the dead opposite of what it's supposed to be, right? So um, I, 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 I recommend caution when entering any of those types of things. But if you're willing to learn and, you know, kind of open your mind up, then, then yeah, dive into it. I, I don't think that any of these things are bad for anybody. I just think that people need to understand what they're getting into, not just like diving into something because other people are doing it, you know?
1: Right. Well, they'll see something like this is a tool to fix something. And I think you can get into meditation. And then you realize that the psyche is a lot more complicated than that. You know, like all these things are re- popping up to the surface, much like uh, when Naruto is trying to get nine tails for him. And yeah. he's like, oh my God, there's a giant fox in me. And he wants to kill me. And then sometimes people can have meditation. and It's like, holy fuck, there's a giant demon in me. I'm so a Jinchur- sure like
3: Like, if if i I start meditating and then i realize like okay because meditation is all about giving yourself over to your feelings and stuff like that and if i gave myself over and all of a sudden i had a nine tails inside me that i would there would be a nine tails on the loose everywhere so it's like it's one of those things you have to understand that like there could be shit we're not dealing with that might come up and that has to be something you're prepared for. So
1: it could even be like past traumas too. I feel like because yeah. it's just, you haven't acknowledged it or you forget because a lot of times people forget just because life happens and you got to focus on the present and the future. Yeah. And then I know where you're like, Oh, I'm now mindful of this thought pattern and that, originated from the shit that happened to me like 10 years ago and i just never addressed it because mm-hmm. i wanted to move past it yeah. and that the act of meditating
4: some people don't realize for some people it can be traumatic like the all the um you know the traditional sense of meditating like closing your eyes and being in a dark room like for some people that have specific traumas that that can be pretty true yeah no bueno
1: yeah, yeah at all yeah and sometimes I feel like the act of meditation gets overthought a lot too in Western society where you're like heavily thinking about your breathing, like every breath. And you're like, oh, one, two, three, oh, one, two, three, And then a lot of meditation is just, Hey man, like be more here. And then just whatever, yeah. breathe and breathe. And then I think you set, you set the session maybe with some specific breathing, but mm-hmm. after that, it's just like, what's happening? Like we're here.
3: Yeah. There's so many types of meditation. I mean, there's, there is that type of meditation you're talking about, A where
1: mindfulness meditation, right? What I was talking about.
3: Yeah, there's mindfulness meditation, and there's like uh, intention meditation, and all, and all sorts of things. There's dozens, um, and there's more and more as they come out. Just the same way, there are different breathing techniques.
1: And, right. and you've been practicing just to give some context, meditation for what about like since college, right? Cool. It's been about like five, six years. Are you Buddhism at least? I guess I should say, or spirituality.
3: Uh, yes, yeah, so I've been, I've been Buddhist for coming on six years, but it's, um, it's not something that I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't actively practice, like sit down, close my eyes meditation, because that's the type of thing like that doesn't necessarily vibe with me. Yeah. Um, my meditation, actually, I come from active meditation and where I look inwardly while I'm, while I'm working out or while I'm exercising. So, um, that for me is my form of meditation. Whenever I get, I, I can achieve, have you ever heard of flow?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so
3: yeah, I can achieve flow through exercise Um in, in uh occasionally I can hit it while I'm playing like apex Legends or something like that. Yeah, no, I mean like the, it's the idea that you're connecting completely with your surroundings and your body. And I can do that very well when I exercise. So for me, exercise is a, is a form of meditation. So that's what I practice.
1: That's your channel. That's badass. That's like your channel to get into that. And it's different for everybody depending on, you know how your your psychology and physiology is oriented i guess you could say is that's yeah, how you connect yeah. to that flow state
3: for another
1: yeah. you know, like person that might be djing to bring it full circle yep. to the name of the podcast but yeah it,
2: could be, yeah
1: it could be i don't know going on walks even maybe that uh, like you can just do it when you're walking or reading writing i feel yeah. like if more people get connected to that type of energy to use a vague term but that type of state then i feel like People are going to be, in general, become way less angry about their lives. You know, think, yeah. gives them something to feed them, you know, some fuel. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, all right, this bullshit's worth it. So, you know, there's a lot of bullshit, but it's worth it. And I can make it work. Yeah. You know, absolutely. need it like that. You're yeah, you know,
3: it. there's one thing I want to talk about real quick, and it's the idea of uh, the, different, the different components of health. Um, and I'm going to share something on my screen really quick. Please do. Yeah. Right. Oh. I think.
1: You guys disabled share. <laughs> we have a prepared guest. Yes, it took oh, nine episodes. <laughs> just <laughs> episode one, dude. Oh, you guys my.
3: are uh, sharing disabled. If you don't mind, just un, uh, just go down to share, and then you should be able to click like allow anybody. Uh, share oh,
2: screen.
3: Share screen. Yeah. Um, ooh.
1: Advanced uh, files. That's not this. Might be in settings. I don't know. Let me see. Boop boo. We needed we need a Jamie. <laughs> Lord, so she <laughs> share? Luna. Yeah, well, uh, that's <laughs> his dog. That's my dog. She's she's under the bed. Curled up on the bed. Alright. Um, so, so share screen. Might be that, so maybe we just share. Well is that us to do it? That's probably us to do it, right? Yeah, it might be. Desktop.
3: I think something should
1: yeah, that's what it's a learning process, man. Participants. Yes, maybe, possibly, possibly. Participants. Cole, more, allow. Oh, we could. Uh, this is a big trust moment, but uh, we could make you the host.
3: Yeah, if you want to do that.
1: There you go. We're practicing trust. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your hands. i you know.
3: checking this podcast.
1: Yeah, exactly. He is now the host of DJ Coffee Talk. Is
3: that going to stop the for?: you? I'm <laughs> the host now. Okay, so here, I'm, I'm going to try and. Hey, we're going still. Cool. So multiple uh, participants can share simultaneously. So if you guys want to share something, you can. Okay, so share screen. um So there's a scientific paper right here that. Wow. Um, Those written back in 2017, okay, and these we're,
1: we're getting in here, boys. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> and these these principles um, have been around for a little while, but somebody actually kind of dove into it uh, in a, a scientific way, which is really neat. But basically, it's the the eight dimensions of wellness, and and these dimensions are the physical dimension, so our body physically, like how how does our body feel? Caring for our the intellectual dimension, caring for our mind, um, the emotional dimension, caring for you know our emotions, our mood social, getting to be part of a community, spiritual dimension, you know, in whatever way that manifests, religious, spiritual, whatever. Um, vocational dimension, which is basically the, uh, like hobbies, values, things like that. Financial dimension, that's pretty self-explanatory. And then environmental dimension, which some mo- most people don't think about, especially living in cities. Um, environmental dimension is really important because it's our connection with, our, with the earth, with the environment, with our surroundings.
1: Um, Beautiful. Well,
3: yeah, so all of these dimensions, you can find them summed up in various ways in, in different um, in different sources. But I thought this was cool because there's an actual paper on it. Um, so you feel free to you know send this out to to your viewers or if anybody wants to wants to look into it. But the idea cool. uh, I wanted to bring up the idea of kind of respecting and, and understanding some of these these different pieces of our life because a lot of the time we go through and we we really don't address the environmental dimension. We don't realize that like, it's important for us to connect with our surroundings. We, we forget about the social dimension. And in times like this, when we don't really get to hang out with each other um, and we're, we're constantly socially separated, the social dimension becomes that much more important. And it's a piece yeah. of our life that is missing that we don't really understand. Yeah. Uh, the main focus that most people put on whenever we talk about health is just this singular line right here. Right, the, yeah dimension you know like whenever we think about health um all it is is how am i eating and am i exercising and it, it's just so much deeper than that um and it, I, I think and when you just look at the descriptions here the physical dimension there's just one little line you know yeah, it's just preparing for your body's healthy now and in the future let's it's, it's yeah. about, but then you look here and it's like there's so much more description into these because this is so much less well understood um but it's just as important. So, I mean, you can be completely physically healthy and, and I, I want to, I'm not going to throw bodybuilders under the, under the, uh, under the bus here, but, um, the idea of bodybuilding is purely aesthetic, right? And, and there are some incredible people doing the sport, but by focusing so strongly on just this physical dimension, they end up neglecting their intellectual dimension. They neglect their emotional dimension because they're disconnected from their body. They they're, they're eating things they don't want to be eating specifically so they can look a certain way. They, they in, and in that same way, it affects the way that they interact socially. Like, you go to a restaurant, and I've done this specifically. I've walked into a restaurant with my own food. And, I and like, now looking back on that, I'm like, okay, that guy's an asshole. But, like, um, you know, when – It's like, yeah,
1: why my establishment doing that?
3: Yeah. It's, and, it, you know, it, it is what it is. But it's also not necessarily healthy. So, like, you might be healthy in the physical dimension. And I would also argue that bodybuilders are not healthy in the physical dimension. But that's another conversation. But the social dimension, the spiritual dimension, like all of these are being neglected because of this hyper focus on this one specific portion of your health.
1: You did bodybuilding mm-hmm. for a couple years, right, Cole?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, I, think, um, I don't even into bodybuilding just cause like the sort of naturally what is, that's what's available. That's the sport that everybody looks at. That's the one that like, um, I think that a lot of people get driven in, into, into fitness as a result of the, the, the aesthetic of bodybuilding. Like, okay, I want to look good. I'm no different. I dove into it like that. And then I started getting away from, away from the aesthetics and more towards the performance aspect. And then now I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm here to like, I'm glad that I, I look great and feel great um, in my own skin. But like, I'm now I'm focusing on all of these other parts of my health. And uh, That's my deep. yeah, and stuff's gotten so much better. So um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was like, uh, so, so sort of to tie it all in, which you were talking about with, um, with like dealing with all of this bullshit that we got going on, sometimes dealing with this bullshit means caring for yourself in those other seven areas, not just physical dimensions. So, um, you know, like, and for me, I wanted to bring up the idea of exercise in the way to deal with these things, because um, sometimes exercise can both stress these and help these. And, and uh, I wanted to talk about the way that, the way that we really like to move. So like, um, like Devin, you said you, you, you said you injured yourself doing jiu-jitsu, like is, is jiu-jitsu your main sport? Like what, um, what, what do you like to do in terms of like being active?
4: Usually like wrestling. I was a big wrestler. I just had, had just switched over to jiu-jitsu when this happened, unfortunately, but um, getting a lot more into like swimming and hiking, things that are better on the joints. Yeah, okay. What about you, Jack?
1: Um, I like lifting a lot, and then I'm, I'm wanting to get into distance running but I've been doing a lot of sprints mostly. And then I want to get into jujitsu, but I'd say probably jujitsu, like grappling, um, like lifting, but not overly for the aesthetic, you know, it's more just like, I like feeling strong
2: yeah.
1: and uh, just staying active. I like, I like doing like mellow shit too. Like just if like going on a walk is my workout for the day sometimes and my nutrition and my other dimensions of my life are on point. I'm pretty happy with that. If I just go on a long walk, yeah. like listen to music, think about shit meditate then i feel like at least for me i've realized i feel like a 100 times better sometimes doing that as opposed to forcing a workout in
3: yeah Yeah. absolutely and that it's it's those types of things that we really look for you know like we want to make sure that we have um you're caring for your body in a way that is like is sustainable you know i mean uh, like um jujitsu wrestling like jack you and i have fought like um like all of these things that are very hard on your body and uh You know, and like we enjoy doing them, you know, they're great, but it's, it's, we have to understand that there is only so long that we're going to be capable of holding a high intensity, a competitive intensity, and that we are going to still be human following our bouts of competitive intensity. Right. And and if we take this idea of like, all right, I have to, I have to be going hitting it hard every single day. this, This, this idea that's touted on ESPN every single day. If we take that and we extrapolate it out across our life. We're gonna be riddled with injury. We're gonna be upset that we can't be, you know, we can't be working because, um, because we're, you know, because we're injured or because we can't do what we used to be able to do. And then we judge ourselves for that kind of shit when it's literally just the process of aging and getting older. Right. What's, yeah. your,
4: what's your, like, individual plans for, like,
3: staying moving, and staying active when, when you do get older? I think the main thing to look for whenever you're trying to stay active, getting older is just find something that you really enjoy doing and then do it all the time. You know, like, and if that means uh, like on our previous podcast, we were actually wrapping up this topic. Um, Davin and I were talking about just various ways that people can kind of add up movement in their day. And for like a super busy individual, for example, if a super busy, busy individual like lives in uh, or works in a tall building for Um, and they they walk up the stairs for five minutes a day, two times a day, so they walk up the stairs and then they walk down the stairs. Um, For five minutes a day, two times per day, over the course of one whole year, that accounts to about 42 hours of stair-stepping. Can you imagine stair-stepping for 42 straight hours? No, you can't, because that would be horrible. But we add that up over the course of a year, and that's activity that we're getting. And um, that's an entire work week of activity we just got by going to our office. So in, like, look for ways to add in activity. Like, okay, if, you, if you're a mile away from the grocery store, maybe try walking to the grocery store one day. Or um, like one example Davin gave was um, cooking. Like you don't think of cooking as being particularly active, but you're actually on your feet you're moving around the kitchen, you're getting into this flow and you're enjoying the process of cooking or creating something. And even if at the end of that cooking session, let's say an hour and a half, two hours of cooking, you know, you're like, I'm exhausted, but I still got to do the dishes. But then you look and you created something great. Like that's a vocational piece of your health. You just created something for yourself. And then also physically, you were active the whole time you're standing, you were moving, and then you get to eat that creation. So um, I think that was a really great example that he gave of something that you can do to be active. And so he was like, okay, well, if I really enjoy cooking, I'm going to make sure I do that two or three times a week. Right. And, and that it fulfills so many different portions of our health. It can make us healthier just by nature of doing something we enjoy. So to answer your question, Devin, the point is that find something that you know that you can do forever and just do it. If you like playing tennis two times a week with your buddies, like go play tennis. If you like doing jujitsu three times a week, do jujitsu, do something that you know you enjoy and continue to enjoy it. Um, yeah and, and, you know, don't feel bad if you have to take a break from an injury or anything like that, dive back into it when you can, you know.
4: Yeah. Um, the, the title of that paper, which I love on uh, the paper, I want to check it out, but it was like something along the lines of um, changing habits or something like that. Um, what do you think the biggest barrier for like younger adults in changing habits like that? And like, like it's one thing to talk about it, but for people like implement things like that in their life, what do you think is, or for you personally, what are some of the biggest barriers to actually in implementing those changes? Uh,
3: I think that the first barrier is really just recognizing, um, recognizing whether you are respecting your body or disrespecting your body in a specific way. Mm-hmm. So like, um, for example, somebody who may be completely sedentary and they're hanging out on their couch um all day especially with covid going on like if you're just hanging out on your couch all day um maybe just like check in with yourself and then ask yourself like okay how do i feel like really look look inward and this is a much deeper question or this is a much deeper um answer than uh than i think we got time to go into but um you
1: got nothing but time brother unless you <laughs> unless you got stuff going on but uh nice, nice.
3: yeah so so I mean, yeah. we look inwardly and we check in with ourselves and say like okay do I feel kind of crappy? Okay, well, maybe let's try going for a walk. Just for an example, I'm going to go for a walk for 10 or 15 minutes and then come back in, sit on the couch, say, how do I feel now? And then I would argue that almost 10 out of 10 times, you're going to say like, I feel so much better, you know, and then just that feeling and just tuning into that feeling of like, hey, I feel great, you know, and that's the feeling we're going for. Like when, when you exercise, do you feel great or do you feel like you just got the shit kicked out of you? Yeah, and yeah. in some cases, both of those can go hand in hand, but I would say that Ooh. most of the time, like if you <laughs> <Yeah. in> that
1: little <laughs> sandwich can't move I feel awesome.
3: I if, right you're, if you're diving into that feeling um, and really going for like I just want to feel good and enjoy myself and do, and, and do what I'm doing, then that's a really great way to just start by making yourself aware that your body does want to move.
1: Yeah, you're, well, you're, you're kind of getting off this false perception of what it means to be a fit person, but like, sometimes people, they're working their asses off at of work, and then they got a stressful life, and they're doing a bunch of shit, and then they stress themselves even more doing a workout they don't like, you know? They go, and yeah. then they run, like, fucking, they sprint as hard as they can, and they just beat themselves up on the treadmill, and then beat the shit out of their <laughs> knees, and they're like, I hate myself, I'm fat. And it's like, well, your relationship with exercise is a little toxic yeah. in that case.
3: Yeah, well, I think the relationship in that particular case, just from the saying, I hate myself, I'm fat, that's the relationship with your body. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, and that's the number one thing that stands out is like you have a
1: body. That's Yeah.
3: I mean it, it's yeah, we we, we forget that uh, we forget that our bodies are supposed to look like bodies. They're not supposed <laughs> to look like these chiseled pieces of, of armor. And um and that's where like social media and again that Jack that societal influence, um, that, that perception of the way that fit is supposed to look, that's really toxic and, like, and I've contributed to it myself in the past, and, oh, yeah, and
2: definitely.
3: yeah, I mean, everybody does, especially, like, I mean, you you guys' age group um, is is one of those where, like, like, we're, we're always in the gym, We're you know, we're, we're trying to stay active, but um, when you think about why, it's really more of, like, a competitive style, a body comparison, all of these things, and yeah, more, uh, in, I think a lot
1: of times for men, too, I'm sorry, I get excited, sometimes I get excited, and I interject, but, i'm feeding to what you're saying is that people like for me at least and i i'd say a decent amount of young men is it's like i really want to get laid and to me my idea of being loved is to get with a girl and then have sex with her and then it's like i feel validated in myself as a man which i feel like that's toxic in some level too psychologically because it's like i need i'm working out so that way i'm more attracted to a girl superficially where it's like body's part of it but it's really about being a healthy person, yeah. and then you can build that foundation, to have a good relationship. Because you really shouldn't be. And i if you want to live your life however you're in, you want to live your life, not you specifically, Cole, but listeners here, it's like do what you, what you think is right for you, and figure it out, and walk your path. However, I feel personally that you shouldn't judge your partner completely off of how they aesthetically look. but you should be attracted to them, but it should be a couple different dimensions. You know, just like that thing you were showing, where it's like yeah. seven tiers to health, or more. I have. I don't have a great short-term memory sometimes, but <laughs> like, look at all the different things about this person and how we're compatible. Not just, I have a six-pack and now I am validated by you, because then it can kind of get. I think it's, for some people, you can get stuck in these weird patterns where you're like, "Well, I'm not happy in my relationship, so this is toxic." And it's like, "Well, look at it from different directions." And like, yeah. why are you attracted you to your partner? It's like, what what about being with them fuels this relationship? Where you guys? What's the give and take? It's not just body body you know and yeah, but there's, a, much much
3: there's like a deep relationship for sure i mean but to your to your point about um uh about working out specifically so that you can be attractive that is actually inherently just an evolutionary thing um we we were literally designed to peacock i mean that's just like yeah. what we do. that's what all mammals do um oh i think i froze oh, no, okay you're back all right we're back
2: um, yeah, go, honestly, like, a video
3: <laughs> it. the peacock, there's the. I mean, there's the survival of the fittest for a reason. But like, we've sort of transcended that. We have the ability, societally, to be able to relax. We don't have to. We don't have to be like, all right, I need to be the top dog in the in the in the village because we don't have villages Seed will you know? spread. I
1: need,
2: this. <laughs> I need so, to go so, on to the next. we so
3: much more globally connected now that I think that we can start to be aware of that extra global influence. And um, so yeah, I mean, I don't like. It, it can definitely be toxic for somebody to just purely focus on exercise or aesthetics specifically for the idea of sex. Um, but that's not to say that sex isn't a really big deal, like it is still important. We do need to be validated and loved by our partners. Um, and we do need to feel comfortable in our own skin. So we want those three things to be, um, th- those aren't mutually exclusive, but we don't want them to feed off of each other in a way that it's our, that's our main focus. Right. And, and it's really easy for us to dive into that in our in college culture and stuff like that, because that's what's around us. You know, we have we got, you know, we got bros and we got um, and we got the hose and, we, and everybody okay. off of this idea um, back and forth. But when you really take a step back and say, like, all right, this is just us being animals. Um, take a step back and say, all right. I you know. I, like, I am just an animal, but like, I also have the awareness that there's these other portions of my life.
2: Right. And,
3: and i think that's how we can kind of step away from that toxicity that like if you want to go out and get you know and get laid and have your and have your one night stands and stuff or or go out and try and look for a relationship however you want to approach it um do it you know do, do and don't don't feel judged for doing it and like and get in tune with your sexuality that's important right. but that's don't
1: very good uh you're you're ta- you're you're taking what i said and then really giving perspective to it which i really appreciate cuz uh that's there's a lot of different sides to it and i i did never want to come across like you live your life of course you know and it's just mm-hmm. like there, there's a lot to everything you know in life and it's fun to go out and kind of explore that side of yourself where it's like i i'm gonna like these this is like a necessary urge of who i am as a person and i'm gonna satisfy it which is like go fuck yeah go do that you know
3: yeah, exactly. just don't just don't dive into it so hard that becomes your only focus and then you you know you Lo- you sacrifice your college education because you can't stop thinking about that ass like there's there's other <laughs> there's, there's other things that you got going on in your
4: life With booty though it's so does. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <So> it
3: <is.
4: laughs> that that needs to be sent out to like almost every
3: college age guys don't, don't yeah. <laughs> the
1: booty's important but but prioritize the booty. Yeah, way.
3: prioritize the booty. Sometimes sometimes you gotta get into the gym, sometimes you gotta see the booty, sometimes you gotta go for a freaking hike, you know? That's what it's yeah,
1: exactly. Multi-dimensional human experience, brother. Really. Yeah. different yeah. sides to it. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Cool. Which which was really cool, Jack was telling me that you and um Jimmy just went and did that like the bro down thing. Brodeo, yeah. brodeo. sorry. <laughs> My apologies. Nice. Um how do you like I mean it sounds like it's kind of synonymous with you but like is taking care of your body and fun things like that like the same to you or is it a balance how do you how do you
3: view it yeah um I would it's definitely a balance I mean there's there's some binging aspects to the rodeo of course but like for me it's um it's just the idea that we got to come together and connect and like I got to see all the guys that I haven't, you know, like I talk to these guys all the time. I talk to Jimmy three or four times a week, but like um I don't actually get to see the guy and interact with him. So like it was enjoyable to be able to just hang out and we went on this massive hike. Um it ended up being like an eight hour hike and we just kind of wandered, meandered in the woods, and it was just such a spiritual experience for me. Um, so like for me. Every time I meet up at the Brodeo because we do this annually, every time I meet up at the brodeo it's just like uh it's something that's super super uh social for me it's um it's physical because we're always active like we're in a we're a group of guys that's we're always really active um, we're always feeding off of each other's energy and it's it's always just a great time so for me yeah it's it's really a balanced thing and because i don't get to do these things and go party with the guys all the time, like for me, this is one of those outlets for me to go and just kind of like let myself go for a sec and then I get to come back and take that experience back with me. So by, by being unbalanced for a weekend, I can come back and reachieve balance, you know, when I step back into my, you know, my normal routine. So yes, definitely.
1: And, and it's kind of like when people go to festivals, you know, it's like you get that purge yeah. and some people find their community in that. You know, yes. I'm, I'm going to let loose. I'm going to do things I don't normally do. And then I'm healthier throughout the year because I do this three times a year, Absolutely. you know, or two or once. Yeah. Take that experience and this is something special wherever that medium is for you, whether it be nature, hanging out in Airbnb or with all your, your best buddies or if it's going to Vegas for a weekend or mm-hmm. going to a festival, chilling in your house, making dank ass food. I mean, that <laughs> might be it too. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty-
3: and I, I would just say there's one caveat to, to these types of experiences that, that we get to take advantage of um, because we're young. But as we get older, these experiences are going to have to change because you can't go to a rave, you know, in your 30s and 40s and come back feeling just as energized as you did when you were. In, right. You know? Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's like as, as we start to, to grow through these experiences, we need to understand that we might not enjoy them as much as we get older and, and finding other experiences. So, like, I mean, I fully expect that in 20 years when we meet up for the, what would that be, the 20, 23rd annual Brodeo, like, it'll probably look very different than it did the first year. Um, yeah like maybe we'll still be camping and we'll still be hanging out and all that stuff, but maybe it's not going to be as aggressive as it is. But, um, you know, just, just knowing that like those types of things don't have to look the same. They don't have to feel the same every single time, as long as you're going and you're enjoying yourself. Yeah.
1: Uh, testosterone levels will kind of level out a bit by then. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> won't be to break shit and fight. And,
3: yeah. you know, we were rolling and, and we were fighting a little bit and he, uh, um, like, I slammed him into the wall accidentally. We got rug burn all over us. Um, like, I think I accidentally hit him in the nuts. So, like, we were getting a little aggressive.
1: So sounds about right. That's good. Yeah, when I called Jimmy, it was, uh, uh he, had, he had, like, a big wrap around his head.
3: <laughs> yeah, he, I, he was, uh, he actually wrapped it up while we were hiking. With, he was, like, he was, like, uh, I was, like, that's going to be your Naruto headband. Because yeah. he had this he had these two huge scars here from when I slammed him into the wall. And, uh. Yeah, so we had, to, we had to manage that while we were in the middle of the woods. So he did a little quick I first called him,
1: I called him, like, a couple days ago, and he has this big rap on his head. Most Jimmy thing ever, though. He was like, really he's is. doing gymnastics rings in somebody's backyard. And I was like, that makes sense. I was like, no questions. Like, sure, this is dope. But yeah. uh, he was, I was like, what happened to your head? And he was like, oh, he he, uh, he uh, got me. But uh, I got him. I got him better. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, I got him.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I have never beat Jimmy. Um, in the history of our rolling, I think, if I have, it was one time of the hundreds of times we've rolled. I can I can fight him. I can spar with the guy. But if we're on the ground, he'll, he wrecks me every time. Every yeah,
1: time. He can rip some tendons, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. He always a million percent, though. It's, like, always been his thing. But, like, he'll just, like, zero percent, a million percent. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, what's
4: happening? Yeah.
2: He's yeah, so. pretty awesome. He's an awesome guy. Um, yeah.
4: How much of the, how much of the, you're talking about, like, having different experiences as we grow older and knowing that, like in, at the 23rd, um, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be different. How much does like um, having realistic versus unrealistic expectations play into that? And like, how does that, um, do you think about how that um, plays into fitness as well?
3: How do you mean like realistic versus unrealistic?
4: So p- people thinking that like they'll be able to perform or do the same things in, you know, in X amount of years as they will be. Um, today I think it's a pretty common thing. People have like unrealistic expectations.
1: So like people will think in like 15 years, I'm still going to be able to roll hard as hard as fuck and, you know, run 10 miles and then do some other stuff. Is that a realistic expectation or unrealistic?
3: Um, I think for some people, maybe it's realistic, but for most people, it's naive. Um, the, the idea, like when you're 18 years old, we don't realize just how much more malleable our bodies are. And then, you know, when we hit kind of that 30-year-old range and get into those 30s, that's when our body's really settling in, previous injuries start to settle in, things like that. Um, And it's, I'm going to caveat that and say that it's, it's dependent person to person because somebody who might be a professional athlete might, depending on the sport, be able to sustain that for 15 years. But there is going to be a point, no matter who you are, where you will not be able to sustain that. So absolutely thinking that you're going to be able to do something at a high intensity for your entire lifetime, completely naive.
1: What's like the difference between like uh, when power builders hit their, not power building, sorry, uh, power lifters hit their peak versus MMA fighters. Cause you'll see uh, you were having a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago, but mm-hmm. MMA fighters usually hit their peak, what, at like 28, 30, maybe. And then power lifters, it could be as late as 40, just cause yeah. of the of strain.
3: Yeah, well, it's it's not even just the type of screen. That's a, there's actually a physiological reason for that. Um, our our bodies are are faster, more agile, and more elastic when we're younger. So, but then our our body starts to kind of, for lack of a better term, harden over time. So yeah. as we get older, and our our body does start to harden. Those tendons get stiffer. Um, our muscles start to get uh, start to get more tense. As we get older, that becomes a detriment to our performance in fighting. So MMA fighters have a natural have a natural um a natural peak, like you mentioned, kind of in our mid to late twenties. Whereas
1: Rua is still fighting too, I'm sorry. But like
3: yeah, that guy
1: uh though, bro. It's crazy. He's like forty and he's like fighting twenty year olds. It's like, God damn, you're a beast.
3: Yeah, I mean that's where age that's where experience can really trump um, youth and zeal. But like so I mean that's that's you know, it's again it's not for everybody, but um, for, for like power and Olympic lifting athletes, strength athletes specifically, they peak later on because our muscles can continue to develop well into our thirties and forties. And then there's a point where right around the 45, 50 range, that's when sarcopenia starts to take over. That's a um, loss of muscle due to aging. Okay. And right around that area is when we start to see strength and stuff decline. So there is that different peak. So, I mean, if you're a strength athlete right now and you're in your twenties, if you do it right, you could probably continue to lift well into your fifties and sixties. Um, and I mean, I, there's still, there's still people lifting into their seventies and eighties. So like there really is no age cap to being able to do this, but you're not going to lift 900 pounds. Um, you're not going to squat 900 pounds in your sixties. That's just not going to happen. So, um, why? yeah I, mean,
1: was- <laughs> 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 I send you a video when we're sixty. <laughs> so did, yeah won't ever walk again but it'll be worth it I'll <laughs>
3: ronnie coleman that guy That's what
1: happened yeah, yeah he's in a wheelchair now
3: yeah yeah which is surprising. Still left. yeah uh, it's all gone all of his muscles are gone i mean like the, the massive amount of steroids did not help but like the um the strain he put on his body by training in the way that he did um absolutely ruined the rest of his life and, and
1: wow, he, he loves what he does though he's, like, happy does. he's and like
3: that's that's one of those guys that he knew what he was doing too he knew that what he was doing was not good for his body and I think that that's something that most of the performance industry sort of understands when I was doing pr- uh, competitive CrossFit the the strain on my body was incredible and I realized that and I knew like with every extra session i'm doing with every type of uh with with all of this fitness that i'm doing training four or five hours a day sometimes i am am literally shortening my life but for me it was worth it because i was getting to see what my body was capable of i was getting to see peak performance um in my mid-20s and uh and for me that was really powerful and then it got to the point where it's like okay really this is no longer sustainable so i'm gonna have to shift but i still do crossfit just not at the same volume and i think that people When they stop being able to do something at the same volume that they were, they demoralize themselves and they stop enjoying the sport. And that's when you might under that that's when you realize, okay, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a relationship issue there with that particular sport. Um, Because how many professional athletes do you see when they're out of the sport, they go continue to do it recreationally? That's not very common. It's really uh, odd.
1: Right. I, it's almost made me think of like when people are in relationships and like romantic relationships, even, you know, they hit the five year mark and they're like, man, this isn't burning the same way it used to. And then the relationship changes, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like similar to sports too, where it's like you hit, you can't hit it with the same intensity and passion that you used to. And then you have to find different routes for that passion, you know, and Exactly. Differently. and then the relationship changes, becomes different, maybe, and maybe I would argue no less better powerful and and, and uh, powerful and then I need neurotropics or something. No less powerful and, and feeds your life and it's still going to feed your life in a fantastic way if you let it transform, if the powers of be able to allow that to happen. Mm. However, sometimes people will become self-deprecating and then they'll say, hey this is all fucked at this point. I don't want to keep doing this. It's not the same as it used to be. We can't stay together and that can be to a person or it can be to a relationship with a sport or it could be with a relationship to an activity or a job and then you kind of have to mm-hmm. okay. maybe yeah. not be self-deprecating caveat into what you're saying while you're doing that you just say hey life is change what, what's happening now you know what does this look like today how's my body going what's going on what's my relationship
2: with
3: like? favorite quotes of all time is uh, the only certainty is overwhelming ambiguity yep and, um yeah it's the only- the only thing that we know is that everything is always going to be different in the future and yep. um and we have to understand that and to your point of relationships man like i mean i've I've been married for eight months now, but we've been together for six years, and like our relationship is um is the same, but it's different at the same time, just in six years you know I mean, and in forty years we will be extremely different people, and I expect that I'll still be loving her exactly the same and uh but i'll be loving a different person and that's okay with me and she'll be loving a different person (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like i think that man with our generation it's so easy to focus on the idea that we're meant for one person specifically so why not just go out and try everything like like i'm at a buffet like i'm gonna go try everything and there's not a dang thing wrong with that like we need to know what we like but there's also a point where that comes to a detriment to our future relationships when we start to look into one person and we say, oh, well, that person doesn't have every single quality that I liked in all of the other 30 people that I've been with. And then we say, well, I'm just going to keep looking. But no matter who you're with, at any point in your life, you're going to come to a crossroads with that person of something that you disagree with. Yep. And there will always be something. Sometimes it'll be bigger than others. and um, if we let that, that idea of the spark, I hate that term, dude. I hate that term so much. And not not to like, uh, that, that, not directed at you, but I just hate the term it's society. True. Because yes. of course the spark's going to go away. If you had sparks flying all the time, there would be fires fucking everywhere, dude. Like, <laughs> just in a wildfire sense. Yeah, like
1: yeah. passion nonstop. Yeah.
3: Sparks are meant to go away. Shades of gray. Yeah. That's Some true. True. Sparks are meant to go away. So, like, we need to understand that, like, a relationship's going to change that fire might ebb, it'll flow maybe it'll go out for a second but there's always going to be some source of it if we're looking for it um, even, and fire is work yeah fire is work we gotta we have to work for the fire and we I have love to. You so much again you know and that's that's something we forget we we lose that um and and there's an argument for whether or not we're supposed to be monogamous and all of that and all of that beside the point if you choose to be monogamous just know that like stuff's gonna change, and and that's not something that we can avoid. Um,
1: Otters and penguins do it. Why can't we? Come on, <laughs> that's what I say.
3: <laughs> yeah, if a penguin can can mate for life, I'm sure we can figure it out too. Yeah. But we have a lot more else going on than penguins do. But
1: yeah, oh, you don't know what's going on in that um, penguin psyche, dude. Yeah. <laughs> He's alone yeah. by himself for like months on an animal. Yeah, he
2: really
1: yeah, he's got sea lions are attacking him. It's like, well, imagine giant monsters four times our size just chasing us every time we went outside to like, get food. The we we to the grocery stayed. store. Every time we went to the grocery store, there's like a four and ten
3: giant. out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, giant teeth just like, not just not ran sure that. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we you can't beat problem. it. you physically cannot kill it, like you aren't your your physiology is designed to kill it unless it you're is, like so you right. and like twelve year buzz just start pecking it,
3: yeah, so okay, so you mentioned aliens earlier, and I promised we were gonna talk about it for sure, oh, okay. so, yeah,
1: okay. yeah, oh, let's do it. Did you see the uh, that's uh, that's did you see the uh, uh, what's uh, the Pentagon release paper saying uh what's his face was right and th- to be fair i'm basing this off of a joe rogan post and he may have been high when Joe he's rogan never said line, so he yeah. Any- yeah he's been pretty yeah. valid yeah. and he admits when he calls himself out on his own bullshit so but i thought that was fucking crazy man yeah, i saw well, the,
3: the, we might be talking about different things but i saw the pentagon paper where it said that like there are certain ufo sightings that um are definitely completely unidentified <laughs> but you don't know what the hell those are is that what you were talking about
2: yeah yeah
3: yeah so i mean that's it's not necessarily confirmation of aliens um having visited earth and that's that's what i think uh, the media likes to run away with that it's not necessarily confirmation we just don't know what the fuck was going on um which for some people means aliens for other people it doesn't um but i mean i think from a like a purely logical perspective it, it's just like okay it's likely that it could be just some phenomenon we don't understand yet like we didn't we didn't know like that aliens <laughs> <laughs> like Aliens, which it could be yeah i'm not saying that aliens can't it couldn't be aliens i'm just saying the likelihood is a little bit lower
1: i feel like but, they could drop down tomorrow though and we would still be on our same bullshit in a week <laughs> you know we'd be on yeah. like we'd be on Next like news so which cool. is one of the things i love about people but one of the things that's so frustrating sometimes but it's also awesome that we can just like be like all ah. right and then we're like back to like fucking uh like inside news on like ellen degeneres being a total bitch
3: yeah. Dude, you know,
1: <laughs> if you haven't noticed yet, I have trouble with political correctness. So
3: Yeah. I, dude, I kind of wish that aliens <laughs> would come down and visit us because I think that that's the only thing that could unify us. And it's not in a good way because I think that if aliens were to come and attack us, that's the only thing that would unify the earth as like, okay, we're one species fighting against another species. We've never been like that because we've always been the top dog. Well, sort of, we've always been, we've always yeah. been capable of maintaining ourselves at the, at, the, at the apex of the food chain because of our intellect. But then we have this spacefaring species come down and try and attack us. That's the only thing that would unify us as, 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 uh, as a society. So I think that aliens would be a really good thing because when we find out we're not alone and then we find out that we're not the best, that's gonna be like, the earth is gonna be like, all right, we gotta step our shit up.
1: Have you ever heard of the book, Childhood's End?
3: Childhood's End? No. Yeah
1: really good you'd like it so basically what it's about i'm not gonna spoil anything but book starts out and that's what happens like aliens come to earth and then the whole world changes in response to that and it's his yeah. take on what would happen
3: yeah and i think i think there's so many different things that could happen like if, if aliens were to come down and they were to be peaceful I don't know that we would know about it because there would probably be a large number of governments that would suppress that, which is part of a lot of the conspiracies and, and all of that that goes on with like but Roswell and all that Pizza shit. Gate, dude, that's freaking
1: me out. We don't, we don't, we don't have to go down that rabbit <laughs> hole, but I'm just saying that that one freaks me out a lot. Like man, Pizzagate, Pizzagate. and just politicians and... Pizzagate.
3: Oh. Yeah, Pizzagate,
1: man. So basically what they're claiming is that all these high end politicians were using code words. In order to get hooked up with minors, in order to have sex with them, and it was like a sex trafficking ring.
3: Which oh, are you talking about the um the Epstein ring? Epstein not ring.
1: Otherwise connected, but like it was, uh, I don't know all the details, but nor does really anyone. But uh, they were essentially they were using cold words, like they would say, like I'm stopping by to get like two like two pizzas, a hot dog, and like a diet coke, and then like some feta cheese and it's like that's a little weird on an email and then they would come and get in they linked it to a bunch of high people in government and then apparently some people are getting in some CD stuff with with uh getting in a sex trafficking ring which in like epstein too that was happening as well which i think it, it kind of these things like life's like this big movie that keeps repeating itself in certain parts there's central themes but, I mean, this stuff was happening in Greece back in the day, too, and happening throughout history. There was stuff like this happening. So, yeah. the think that we divinely just changed our perception of everything is kind of naive, I feel like. It's like it's going to keep repeating. It's pretty ingrained in us. So, yeah. when you get some monkeys that are at the very top of the hierarchy, they might start being like, I can do whatever I want. Like, I can have as many bananas as I'd like. I can pick which chimps I want to be with, and I don't have to obey by your rules because I make them. And then it yeah. starts disrupting everything
3: power yeah, uh, imbalance in the world is very frustrating makes me mad makes me angry uh, makes me sad <laughs> but it's uh yeah i mean i think that's something that um although is very upsetting to hear it's been getting better um like we we really do live in the greatest time possible to be alive. Yeah, I agree so i mean it's one thing that like and with every time period in history, there's always this bullshit that is going to be happening. And this isn't, this isn't to like, downplay what's happening in the world, but um, I think on average, the quality of life for most people on the planet has increased to the point where it's, it's better. Um, and that's not for everybody. There's still entire cultures, like the Indian culture with, um, with the, what are they, the untouchables? Um, there's an entire culture and there's an entire cast of people who are looked down as being less than the dirt.
2: And, uh,
3: and like that kind of thing, that's really frustrating. And I hope that changes one day. And then there's all these, this bullshit going on in Turkey with, um, uh, with the femicide in Turkey, which I'm sure we've seen probably all over Instagram um, like that kind of stuff. Like that's really frustrating, but at the same time, like we have come a long way and as long as we keep uh, actively being aware of it, and then making sure that our kids, our friends, our parents don't partake in stuff like that, it will spread.
1: I feel like it's the whole it's kind of like we progress in inches over generations, if that yeah. makes sense. And then sometimes people get frustrated because they expect giant jumps. And I think, and I mean that relatively. So, like, yeah. obviously, the Industrial Revolution was huge, but you tab these, little, these like little inch jumps in the grand scheme of being that happen and then it's just you got to be patient to an extent like we really i mean recorded history is what like about three four thousand years of recorded history right actually with written language
3: and ten thousand is when we first started i mean
1: mean,
3: it's a drop in the bucket in terms of how long the earth has been around so or even humans
1: dude we've been around what like one hundred eighty thousand years? years and we just we did it wasn't written it was all oral tradition and then we lost a lot of it so, I mean, that's, we really haven't been around very long. So I feel like this is a Jordan Peterson quote, but like we're doing pretty good for, you know, what used to be just like pest infested monkeys on a rock flying in space, you know, like we're doing the best we can fuck. And we're all really hard on ourselves sometimes.
3: Yeah. And I think that like, if we start kind of, uh, in embodying that compassion, that, that things will continue to get better for sure. But, um, I, had, I forgot something a- anyways. It doesn't matter. But, uh,
1: if you're willing to share it too, you, you have a really good, you don't have to share it, but you have a really good story about aliens. If you're comfortable sharing it, cool. If you don't want to, totally understandable. Are
3: we talking about the one with the karaoke?
1: Yeah, if you're comfortable sharing that. What yeah, was, yeah. Uh, oh, man. That's, that's uh, a cool past story. Uh,
3: uh-huh. Yeah, so they, uh, and like, like the more that I think about it, the more I think my cousin was just messing with me. But anyways, when I was a kid, this was really freaking convincing. But um, basically we had this karaoke machine. and it was, uh, it was like making some white noise. And I like, I noticed a rhythm in the white noise. So just like, because I'm a, I'm a, like an 11 year old, I started talking to it. And then it started making specific rhythms back. So I started asking yes or no questions to, to sort of narrow down, um, like what it was, at, what it was saying. So I was like, um, I just, uh, I don't remember all of the questions I asked, but it was just to the effect of like, um, are you like, are you real? And then it would answer like one, one beep for yes, two beeps for no. And then it was um, so it would answer all of these yes or no questions. And eventually I got to the point in the conversation with this um, machine that uh, I said, okay, I want to meet you. Um, Like, where are you from? And I narrowed it down to being a planet and they were on the other side of the planet Uranus. And I guess they had, they were hiding in the shadow of Uranus and then they come uh, and that they would be able to get to earth soon when basically as fast as they wanted. And um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to a roller skating rink tomorrow. Can you meet me there? And just being an 11 year old, like that's what I thought about. So I was like, okay, meet me there. And I said, okay, we'll wear a white t-shirt and jeans and, and that way I know that it's you. just a blank white T-shirt and jeans. And then the conversation ended there. And then I get there the next day, and there's an entire family in white T-shirts and jeans, like redheaded. There's a redheaded family. Where they had it was two parents and two children. A redheaded family with white T-shirts and jeans, oh. all sitting there playing the games. Moral, bro. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um so that was yeah that was that was my experience I like i still don't know what to think of it nowadays and like it like i would like to say that coincidences um there's no such thing as coincidences but uh in this particular case like yeah that was wild that was super wild for me
1: yeah regardless man i had 11 years old experience in that yeah Yeah, yeah.
3: and and it wasn't really even and i didn't talk to him because um it was i had already kind of forgotten about it that next day and we were at the roller skating rink, and I remember walking by and seeing them, and I was like, "Oh, white t-shirts and jeans." And then, like, like the day after, I was like, "Oh my god, that was them!" <laughs> so, um,
1: Did they look yeah. human. Did they act human? Were they they
3: were to- games. I mean, I don't know. I was 11 years old. I, I only had 11 years of human experience. I didn't know what humans really were supposed to look like or act. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Did yeah, so that's my that's my uh, potential alien story. So, I got chills. Yeah, really
4: That's not. That's intuitive for an 11-year-old to yeah. like make up a code like
3: <laughs> it was
4: yeah, it was weird. It was
3: wild. So but yeah, I'm still here. They didn't abduct me that I know of.
1: Yeah, have you heard of the uh they had some guy do hypnotherapy and he recalled his whole experience, it's on YouTube, and it's not, it's all audio, that he recalled his whole experience from being abducted. He's like screaming in hypnosis, like, oh my God, they're stealing me. Oh my God, oh my God, look what's happening. No, 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 no. And it documents it all to the point right before he got abducted.
3: That's wild. No, I haven't heard of that. But there's a, there's a lot of stuff that hypnotherapy has done for, to bring past traumas up. I'm talking about past traumas earlier. Oh, actually, there's one thing. Um, I may have talked to you about this before, Jack. Have you ever heard of The Journey of Souls?
1: Uh, no, but I would love to learn about it.
3: Yeah. So The, the Journey of Souls, this, there was a psychologist who did hypnotherapy, and it was specifically regression therapy. So he would take people, he put them in a hypnosis, and then he would walk them back to different memories in their life. He, he was really good at it, and he got to the point where he was walking people all the way back to essentially their birth, and then he could get people to like remember what it was like being in the crib and things like that. So like he, he was able to regress people to this point. So he started to kind of push the barrier and he said, okay, well, what about if we take you to a past life? So he regressed them to being born and then just and then just um, before being born and then passed into their past life. And he got people supposedly to see what it was like to actually die in their previous life. And there was, there was one particular case that stood out to me because this woman, she got shot in the kidney apparently in her past life and in her current life she had kidney pain that she never understood she was always having pain in that area all the time and then she went back regressed her previous life and then um found out she got shot in, in the kidney and understood why this pain was there and then when she woke back up kidney pain was gone wow and like and so he did this with dozens, <laughs> of dozens he did this with dozens of people and probably hundreds of people and he started to get to the point where. Um, he started to fine-tune it a little bit more. So then he, what he did was he walked people back to when they died in their previous life and then just a little bit forward to after they died. So now they're in between this phase of being born and being dead. So they're in essentially what they would consider the afterlife. And he got people to walk around in this afterlife and interact and, like, and, uh, and um, basically he started getting a survey because while they're in hypnosis, they're talking about what they're seeing, but they're still there. And he he starts to talk, and he surveys literally hundreds of people about this in between this this uh, this upside down or whatever, and they, He starts to basically build this understanding of what it is, and so he, he calls this the journey of souls, because basically what his consensus was after interviewing these hundreds of people was that when we die, our soul does return to the mother or whatever it returns to this higher this higher consciousness. And then we have a goal or some sort of, uh, some sort of task that our next life is supposed to be fueled with. They erase our memory of our previous lives and then they send us back down and our soul is reborn in a new body. And sometimes we can choose the new body we go into sometimes uh, where it's just random and stuff like this. Anyways, there's this entire construct, this entire society of what this higher consciousness looks like basically by this guy regressing people and then having them walk back through their death and. Uh, yeah, super wild. Um, to anybody who might be skeptical, I think it's just a really cool way to look at stuff. But it's, um, yeah, I thought it was beautiful, and it's actually sort of at the crux of a lot of what I believe in terms of uh, in terms of our connection with sure yeah. higher consciousness. You
1: have two ideas off of that too that, that kind of popped up while you were talking about that. But one, there's a really good cult movie about that where a dude has a cult and he convinces people that they were like sorcerers and stuff in past lives. It's really good. It's got, uh, the guy who's in Joker. Uh, and then the second thing is I always wonder, well, if that's not like people be like, Oh, it's fantasy. That's not real. But it's like, what exactly are the fantasies though? Like what, what is a thought? I think that's pretty crazy. Like what the fuck? Like what is that out of nowhere? Cause even if you're like in that state and you're having that experience, that's got a lot of intrinsic value to it. I feel like, yeah. Yeah, like probably in the future, which kind of, Looping back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation was, you were talking about how the academic institutions kind of use rigor to weed out what actually does make sense and what doesn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But with time, we'll probably, and as our scientific instruments improve, we'll be able to analyze this on a better level. But I, I always wonder, like, well, what exactly are thoughts? So, like, these things that come in and out of our heads, they come out of nowhere, we don't necessarily own them, you know? it's Thoughts don't have you, or thoughts have people, people don't have thoughts. That's a good quote from Jung. but. Uh-huh they kind of just come in you and they animate you and they animate your emotions and your beliefs and you embody them. And it's like, well, if you can have those types of experiences where you're being under hypnosis, and you're hitting this other state of, of consciousness. And well, what exactly is that at that point? That's a good, I think those are the types of questions that should be asked and kind of pondered and written about and researched as opposed to sweeping it under the rug because the psychic quality of our lives is so powerful and might as well be explored. You know, it's a whole another dimension of the human experience. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, something that was really either one could have been dove into extensively before we had written documentation of stuff in the oral tradition 180,000 years ago when we were trying to survive. And then, I mean, I lost the second thing, but it's going to come back (laughs) But this happens. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be explored as opposed to just brushing it under the rug, I feel like. It's, it's just very interesting and powerful and i think a lot of the of psychotherapy and the essence of it is kind of exploring that side of yourself and of course there is you have to have care management in a sense that hits all prongs of health like you were pointing up earlier but a huge part of that that's often ignored in the current our current society and i think is changing is exploring those different sides of our humanity yeah that's yeah. what a lot of eastern traditions did originally as well which was probably like holotropic breathing came from and kundalini meditation and mindfulness meditation and different types of it are all exploring the psyche you know and just like well how do we play with this experience of being alive and that's more of the intuitive subconscious and unconscious of the brain and then there's the reasoning conscious you know that kind of brings light to the darkness but I feel like a lot of the time, we are it's almost so bright right now sometimes with science that we don't sit and go, well, let's go back to the dark a little bit and see like, oh, this is what's going on intuitively, and then extract it and kind of make sense of it in the light. But people, I think it's beneficial for them to connect with that more deeper unconscious intuitive part of themselves.
3: Agreed. Yeah. And it's something that we definitely, like we have a very materialistic society. It's easy to defocus and decentralize from our bodies. Um, but it's good for us to understand what our thoughts mean and, and where they come from and things like that and um i think there's a lot of physics and biological reasons for why thoughts are the way they are and i mean that's an entire other conversation in and of itself but it's um uh i think that just exploring it at all has has a lot of worth i mean just knowing knowing the way that we think is is important and knowing i wonder how-
1: what the relationship is between the thought and then all those psycho jump throwing out a 50 cent word that might not actually be applicable to this but psychomotor stuff going on in your brain so you have a thought and then all those reactions start going off but it's like what's that jump between if there is one between all that stuff going off in your brain and then the thought are those two separate entities that's kind of dualism is it something in the air that goes into you and then it's like oh i'm possessed or is it is it all material and functional and stuff going on in your brain and then and then emerge from it you know but I mean, then go back to like the question, what exactly is the brain doing? And that's crazy and deep and complicated.
3: Yeah. There's uh, – to, to address the first part, like which comes first, the thought or the action, um, it's both. And it, the reason why is because, like, our, our body has all of these senses and it's all controlled by our brain. But our, our brain is literally just operating a meat suit. And this meat suit has all of these sensors. And we, we have these sensors, our sight, our smell – Um, that, you know, the the traditional five senses, but we also have literally dozens of other senses that we don't really understand. We have proprioception, we have internal, um, internal cues, which is sort of what um, intuitive eating gets at. But um, our, our brain and our thoughts are designed to respond to stimulus and stimulus can come internally. So we can stimulate ourselves through our own motor functions, our body, like we can feel when our stomach is grumbling, things like that. We respond to those um, with, specific, with specific ways. And then we also are inside of this external environment that we respond to um, externally. So like we, we see a green tree and that creates some, some pattern in our brain. We see um, a deer that we're hunting and we have these specific motor functions associated with doing that. So our brain is designed to just respond to stimulus. That's it. Um, that's what it is. It is a stimulus interpreter. And um, regardless of, of where those come from, everything is a result of some form of stimulus. And uh, that's important to recognize. And we have such a, a stimulus-rich culture now that I think our imaginations are growing because now there's more stimulus for us to, to be able to attain. Like, you can go on YouTube, and one second you can be listening to some vibes, and then the next second you can be watching, you know, like a dude get hit by a car or something like that.
2: Yeah,
1: right.
3: Huge, huge range of stimulus there. But we can access that at the tip of our fingers now. So, with all of these stimulus, comes these different forms of creativity, all this type of thought. And our our brain is just capable of doing all of these things. And we're just now understanding the fastness with which we can actually um, interpret stimulus. So, I think.
1: Or or the variety of stimulus that we can tap into as well, because I feel like we've been predominantly a visual. been predominantly visual for quite a time for quite a while it's like our our main sense but like you were saying there's so many different senses receptors in the body and i think sometimes people will spend their lives diving into that and be like how many different ways can i respond to my environment and that feeds into that creativity that you were talking about yeah there's different you just have so many more inputs then you can create more diversified outputs because
3: yeah different things yeah like art in itself like it like everybody loves, you know, some good art. Art is just an expression of of various stimuli. And like for some people that art, that, that stimulus is abstract. For some people that stimulus is very realistic. Um, but any kind of art that is just an expression of, uh, of our experiences. And that's why I think art can be so beautiful in, in its own way, because it is really an expression of all of the stimulus that those, that collection of molecules has encompassed Throughout their life, and then that just comes out of our bodies somehow, and we and we make various expressions of it. And that's why I think art is beautiful. In, it's in alchemy,
1: dude. Essentially, it's alchemy. You know, it's, yeah.
3: We ter- we're taking we're taking a stimulus and we're turning it into something else.
1: Yeah, you just. yeah I mean, also, I mean, chemistry to an extent, but I don't want to go that far. But I mean, it, it's taking something and then repurposing and changing its form and then throwing it out in the world, and then it's changing its form you know that that was the alchemical tradition as far as i know
3: yeah i mean that was the the alchemy was the the basis of basis of chemistry so um yeah so i mean everything evolves so
1: this is true yeah
3: but anyway, anyway guys i think that's that's about all the time i got today but
1: okay so big thing where can we where can we find your podcast um that's the big one, mostly, but where can we find the podcast? Where can people see your content? Um, that's pretty much it. Like, we, want, we want to make sure that people know about you and all the awesome stuff you're doing. So,
3: Sure. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, so my podcast is called A Different Perspective. You can find it on my YouTube channel, which is Biometal Fitness. That's the, uh, the name of the brand. And um, it'll be me and Devin Lau just talking about a lot of the things that we discussed with Jack and, uh, um, Jack and Devin today. And we're just going to be um, continuing that idea just into the future. So you can find it on our YouTube channel, Biometal Fitness, um, or go on to our Instagram, and I'll, I'll get those links to the guys. And then, uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. I appreciate you guys having me. I really enjoyed the conversation today. So yeah,
1: That's dude, cool, it was a great, was great time. Yeah, this is this is probably one of the most fun ones we've had, honestly. That was a great time.
3: Thank
4: you, man. I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I'll have to have you guys on uh, online for, for a little while as well, I'll talk about some of you guys' experiences with sport and all of that. Um, I know you guys love jujitsu, so we'll definitely get you guys on chatting about some stuff. So.
2: That'd be awesome. No, no we'd
4: love do. that. That'd be cool. That'd yeah, be good.
3: Bit... Alrighty, guys. Well, yeah, it was great talking to you, and um, I will chat with you later on. Yeah, so man, hopefully that. we can have a cup of coffee together someday, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Next time I'm in Tucson, I'll definitely be stopping by. Cool.
1: Right, brother. Yeah, brother.
3: Bye, you guys. Bye, buddy.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.
4: Thanks for sticking around for the episode, everyone. We hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as we did. Um, I can only speak for myself, but I learned a lot from talking with Cole, and I'm looking forward to implementing some of the things we talked about overall health and my personal life, and hopefully we all got something from it. Definitely one of those guys that um, easily learn a lot from and not feel like any sort of lecture or anything, just kind of oozing with knowledge. So we really appreciate him and him being on our podcast and hope we can um, get together later in the future. So, upcoming next week, um, tune in for an episode with Mr. Tyler Wainer, um one of our friends who's a financial advisor and who is going to be talking to us about some tips, tricks, um, kind of just overall advice for financial stability. Um, I swear it's not as boring as it sounds. So, um, come back next week and check out what Tyler has to say. All right. Peace, love, and as always, stay caffeinated. Bye, guys. You
0: more than I thought I would.
2: I guess I've fallen,
0: fallen in love at such a bad time.